And for our scripture reading this morning, we'll turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's the passage where Moses again brings the law to the people of Israel as he reminds them of what God taught them in Exodus 20. And we will use this as our as our text for today, specifically uh, verses 12 through 15. So Deuteronomy chapter 5. And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I spake in your hearing today, so that you may learn them. And be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up to the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your ox nor your donkey nor any of your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. And therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servants, his female servants, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And so it was when you heard the voice or in the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, 
that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, and yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say, and tell us all that the Lord our God says to you, and we will hear and do it. Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments, and that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go and say to them, Return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I commanded you, you and your son and your grandson and all, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord our God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And we'll stop the reading of God's word here. <clears throat> and in connection with this passage and the sermon this morning, we'll be looking at Lord's Day 38. Again, this is the second time we are looking at the observance of the Lord's Day, the Sabbath day, and it's Lord's Day 38 on page 74 in the back of your Psalter page 74 in the back of your Psalter. Our catechism question asks us in question 103, what does God require in the fourth commandment? And the answer, <clears throat> the answer is first, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained. <clears throat> and that I, especially on the Sabbath, 
that is the day of rest, diligently frequent the house of the church of God to hear his word, to use his sacraments, to publicly call upon the Lord, and to contribute to the relief of the poor as becomes a Christian. And secondly, that all the days of my life I cease from my evil works and yield myself to the Lord to work by his Holy Spirit in me and thus begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Dear congregation, for the second time now we'll look at the fourth commandment where God calls us to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And the last time we looked at this commandment, we looked at it from Exodus chapter 20. And there we, he calls us to remember the Sabbath day based on the fact that he created the Sabbath day. The creation is the foundation for this commandment. And the reasons we observed then for keeping the Sabbath day included the following. First, that God created the seven days of the week, and he rested on the seventh day. That was the second, he rested on the seventh day. Then thirdly, God blessed and hallowed that specific day. And fourthly, God set that day apart to be a, to be a special day from the other six. And then lastly, God commanded us to keep that day separate, to keep that day holy, to keep that day set apart for God. And so the focus shows that God created the seventh day for His people and for that specific purpose. And in order to keep the significance and the essence of what this day is, we must be careful to keep a clear distinction between the seventh day, or in, our, in the New Testament, the first day of the week, the Sunday, and the other six days. So that's what we looked at last time from Exodus. And today we will look at this from the view uh, given in Deuteronomy, the perspective that he gives in Deuteronomy chapter 5, as we read. And here the focus is not on creation, but the one of the focuses here is it, is it really focuses on the aspect of resting, of the need of rest, and of the provision of rest that God gives, and, and the benefit that God has given us for. Because we read in verse 33, he says that we are to keep this commandment so that it may be well with you. So all these commandments are given for your benefit and for your, for your well-being, including the Sabbath day. Then if you look at verse 12, it says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. And then he goes on in verses 13 to 14 to explain the reason that no one is to work. No one's to make their servants work. No one's to make their animals work, because specifically in those days they used animals to farm and to do other things. They were not supposed to work their animals, because even they, as well as the servants and, and the people themselves, needed uh, to rest. So it shows the need and the provision 
that God gives for that rest. But then if you look at verse 15, here God shows that this rest is provided to them as a result of his redemption. And so therefore God uses his redemption as the reason why he commands us to keep the Sabbath day. And so this, will be, this specifically will be our focus for today, that we must keep the Sabbath day holy because of God's redemption from sin, that God has redeemed his people from sin. So our theme is simply remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. And our first thought then is we must remember to keep the Sabbath day holy by remembering your redemption. By remembering your redemption. Here in Deuteronomy 5, what God is doing is he's pointing his people back, the people of Israel, he's pointing them back to their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. He's reminding them that God is the one who made it possible for them to be able to have a day of rest. And so he's showing them that the rest day that he gives them is indeed a gift of God. Verse 15, And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And if you think of Israel when they were in Egypt, they had no rest. They were slave laborers. They were forced to work under the oversight of the slave drivers. They had to make bricks. They had to build cities. But here, God has now given them the ability to rest from that slave labor. God delivered them from their enemies, from the Egyptians. And so now God enables them to keep the Sabbath day that he had created. And that's why he says in verse 15, in the second half, Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So God commands them to keep the Sabbath day, but what he did first was enable them to be able to keep it. He first delivered them. So you can see God's grace comes before, before his demands of the law. God enables them to keep it and then commands them to do so. And this picture of Israel and slavery in Egypt is, the Bible uses this as to represent sinners in slavery to sin. Because when Adam and Eve fell in paradise by sinning against God, God had sent them out of paradise. Work had become a burden. They had to work in the sweat of their brow, the thorns and the thistles in the fields. They no longer had that communion with God. They no longer were able to enjoy that Sabbath rest in paradise with God. And so it is that everyone that is born into this world is born in sin. 
Ephesians 2 says we're all born dead in trespasses and sins. Romans 8 says that sinners are not able to obey the law of God. The carnal mind, it says, is enmity against God. It's, it hates God. It does not want to serve God. It does not want to obey God. Even though all these commandments are a gift from God and for the good of the people, sinners who are estranged from God do not want to serve God. And so unbelievers who have never been saved by God even if they do not kill somebody else, even if they do not physically steal, even if they do not commit adultery outside of their marriage, they are still unable and unwilling to keep the commandments of God from the heart. To keep the commandments from a willing heart, from an able heart, is a gift of God's grace for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the power that He gives by His Holy Spirit. But when we are in our sins, there is no rest for our souls. And this is the, the irony. When you see people running away from God, they say, I want to do my own will. They think they are free. You have the idea that you are free to do whatever you want, but you are not. You are under the control of your sin and of Satan. And you willingly comply with that. And if you think that's not true, then try stop. Have you ever truly tried to stop your sin? Have you ever truly tried to obey every single one of God's laws, every single moment of the day, with your whole heart, mind, and soul as God requires of us? Have you ever become so sick of your sin that it makes you want to flee and run away and never do it again? Have you ever tried to run from your sins then, but find that you are tied with chains, that, that you try to run and it suddenly pulls you back? Or if you're able to stop sin in one area, it comes up in the other place. It just comes in a different form. What happened when Moses went to Pharaoh and he says, Let my people go so that we may serve God? Pharaoh said, No. Make them work harder. Have you ever found your sins to tell you that? Serve me harder. There is no true rest for an unsaved soul. And that's why Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give rest for your souls. That is the rest that we need. And we cannot find that rest by our own efforts. And many people look for it in the wrong places. You might find rest from your work, which is a natural gift as well. You look for it in recreation or entertainment or, or just lounging around, but it is not spiritual rest. It's not rest for your soul. And so when we think of the Sabbath day, unbelievers cannot keep the Sabbath day holy because it is not a delight. It is not in their hearts to do it. But keeping the Sabbath day is a burden to you. But God still requires that we keep this 
Sabbath day holy because as we considered last time, God created the Sabbath day and He created us perfectly upright and good and able to keep it. And so if we have unregenerate children, they can sit in church. They can follow the routines of a Sunday, but it's not a delight to the children's heart. Children need to grow up in the boundaries of the home and of the regulations and of church, just like Israel had to grow up and to follow the regulations that God set upon the nation. This is the way that you must walk. And children need to be taught, like we read in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, where we have to teach them these words, everything that God has commanded us. But the unregenerate hearts of children and adults alike will always rebel. It will always fight the system. And it will always just be legalistic form until God saves you. Then all the customs, then all the regulations will change into personal conviction, personal desires, then everything will change. And then you come to church to, because you seek God. And then you come to find God. Then you come to find rest for your soul that you've not been able to find anywhere else. And so it is that the law of God is meant to drive you to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is meant to show you that you need the Lord Jesus Christ. It is meant to show you that you cannot keep the law of God yourself. But it points you to the Lord Jesus Christ who has kept the law perfectly. It shows you that you cannot keep it. And and neither does your heart want to keep it. But it shows us Christ who God has sent us into this world to keep that law and to pay for the penalty of death for sinners who have broken God's law, because we have all broken God's law. And that is why Paul says, be ye reconciled to God. He implores you and says, here is Christ who has done and who has finished this work that you could not do. And he says through him you can be reconciled to this one God. And he says here is eternal life for you. Here is rest for your soul in Christ. Rest where you then will be covered in that perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rest where all your sins will be washed away through the blood that the Lord Jesus Christ shed on the cross under the punishment and under the wrath of God to pay for sin. Here is rest because covered by Christ's righteousness, you can stand before God and know that you are not condemned to hell, but that you can be received as children of God in His presence. That He no longer has to punish you eternally in His wrath in hell, but that His punishment has fallen on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is rest because God has done in Christ what you could not do. It is rest because God gives to you what Jesus Christ has earned. And He takes away from you that punishment that you deserve. And so the Bible says, believe here on the Lord Jesus Christ today and you shall be saved. It is there that God delivers you from that power and that dominion that sin has over you. Just like he took Israel out of Egypt when they could not get out themselves. He brings you out from the power of your sin. God led them into the wilderness where that enemy of Egypt could no longer reach them. 
And this is where he then commanded them to keep the day of rest. It is here in the wilderness where God makes them his church, his people. He calls them his people. It is here he gives them the regulations to, uh, to structure their worship. Here he shows he is his God of order and of truth. And so I ask you here this morning, do you remember the day when you lived for yourself? When you had no real thoughts of God in your heart? Where you pursued sin for your own pleasure? Where you thought you were free to do your own thing? But do you remember then that day where you saw that you could not break free? When you realized sin was nothing more than a slave master and a slave driver? Do you remember then when you tried to tell your sins, let me go? But your sins tightened the grip. It shortened the chain. And your sins said, serve me. Do you remember how then you cried to God in, in your, by reason of your bondage as Israel did? Do you remember then how God fought for you and showed you that salvation is of the Lord? That how He led Israel out, how He led them through the Red Sea when they were trapped and the enemy was behind Him. Do you remember how God led you out when you had no way out? Do you remember how God broke the power that sin had over you? When you had no strength to leave and no strength to overcome. Do you remember this? Because God remembers. He says in verse 15b, God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. God remembers. And therefore God says, Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep that Sabbath day. Because you have been saved from slavery, now you are able to come and rest. And because you are able to rest by the grace of God, therefore God commands you to keep the Sabbath rest for what He created it to. He restores His people to that, to that new life, to that renewed life where you can do what you have been created for. That you might rest in Him and that you might truly serve Him. And that is why God now calls you to remember your deliverance from the bondage of your sin. We sang in this Psalter 2.13 from Psalm 78, lessons from the past. How He showed Israel where they came from. How He showed how Israel forgot. How He showed them and pointed them to remember what He has done for them. Because this is the only reason how we can begin to keep the commandments is by the grace of God. And that includes the observance of the Sabbath day. It is where you then receive the refreshing of your soul. Where you find that delight in this day as it is dedicated to God, your Savior. And here you find Him who your soul loves. Where you see Him, Christ, who obeyed instead of you. When you see Him who paid for your sins with His own blood. So that you could be set free. Therefore God commands us to observe the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. 
And to observe there means, means to keep and to conform your life and your actions to, to practice the Sabbath day for which He has created and intended it. It's like Paul says with all the commandments that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is that you're being conformed to the image of Christ who is the express image of God. Moses was instructing the people to teach their children to keep the commandments. Jesus in Matthew 20 instructed the apostles and he said, teach the believers to do all that I have commanded you. And Jesus himself puts it this way in John 14 verse 15. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is his test to see where our hearts lie. What lives in our hearts. God redeems and delivers you from sin. God told Pharaoh to let his people go so that they would serve him instead of Pharaoh. That's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9. You turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God. You, by the grace of God, serve the true and living God. And I plead you to examine your hearts this morning. And Jesus asks you, do you love me? Is this the day for your soul? Is this, as Thomas Watson calls, the market day of your soul, where you trade in the blessings with God for your soul? Is this where you desire to behold the beauty of the Lord in His temple? Do you remember then what Christ has done for you? Or do you still ask, is that fourth commandment still really required for us in the New Testament? That's what we see in our second thought. We are to keep the Sabbath holy by remembering God's moral law. Yes, the fourth commandment is still relevant today. Because it belongs to the moral law of God. And we are commanded to keep the laws of God. Some people argue that the Sabbath law has been done away with in Christ. That Christ fulfilled the law. We're no longer obligated under the law, or no longer under law, but under grace. But here we need to understand the distinction between the laws that the Israelites had, the Mosaic laws. There was, there was the moral law, and then there was the ceremonial laws which regulated all the worship of Israel. And then there were the civil laws which regulated the nation of Israel. But the moral law is grounded in the nature of God Himself. And that can never change. When God created Adam and Eve in paradise, these laws were in their hearts. It was implanted in their hearts. And they had no sin. They lived in conformity with God. But when Adam sinned, all the commandments were broken. He disobeyed and did not serve God only anymore. But that law was distorted. 
But in Jeremiah 31, 33, God says that he will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. God will again write that law in their hearts. And when Christ died on the cross, and it records how the veil in the temple it was ripped from the top to the bottom, signifying that Christ had fulfilled the law. That was a ceremonial law. And it was no longer required of them to have that temple worship with all the sacrifices because Christ is the fulfillment of all those elements. Those are abolishing Christ because they all pointed to Christ. It, all, it was all there to show what the Lord Jesus Christ would do. Every sacrifice pointed to how the Lord Jesus would sacrifice His own life on the cross, how His blood would be shed instead of all the animals' blood. And so the ceremonial laws were done away with. The civil laws are for the nation of Israel. We have our own nation. But the moral law is grounded in God Himself. And Christ also obeyed the moral law. Not to do away with it, but to obey it perfectly because we are not able. He was a second Adam who came to do what the first Adam could not. He came to obey where Adam failed and where we failed. And so God gave Moses these laws again on Mount Sinai. He gave those Ten Commandments verbally. And it says he did not add to them anymore. He gave them with all the thunder and with all the lightning and the trumpet sounds. And then God took them and he wrote them on with his finger in a tablet of stone. He did that twice because Moses broke the first one. And then Moses was, was instructed to put it in the Ark of the Covenant. Where it would be kept with the children of Israel. Where it would be preserved. And over top of that Ark was a lid. A lid of pure gold. And that was called the mercy seat. It was a lid that covered that law. And it was there on that mercy seat in the temple where God said that He would come and meet with His people. And He could meet with His people because that law had been covered. That law had been finished. And that is what is represented in Christ. Because Christ has obeyed that law. And because Christ has paid for the penalty for breaking that law, God can meet with you in Jesus Christ. That is what the mercy seat shows. God can have mercy on you today because of Jesus Christ. It is there that you can meet with God. And if you think of the old ceremonial laws in the Old Testament, you read how how Israel had extra rules. For example, they were not allowed to make fires on Sunday or they would be killed. They would be stoned. But they were, they, were, they were not allowed to work. They were not allowed to pick up sticks. They were not allowed to gather their manna. But these ceremonial laws also extended to the other laws. For example, if children broke the fifth commandment by, by cursing their father or mother, God said they had to be killed. If someone committed adultery, they would need to be killed. But these are all ceremonial laws that were attached to the moral laws that God had given that Israel would be strict in observing them. 
And those ceremonial laws are no longer relevant today. But the but there are still consequences attached to breaking God's laws. Our nation used to have stricter laws. There used to be no allowance for working on Sunday. There used to be stricter rules for breaking the seventh commandment and various other ones. But you can see how the land is throwing all of God's laws out. And the Sunday is no longer observed. Paul is very clear about the seventh commandment in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, how strictly it must be observed. And so Paul says that it's through this law is the knowledge of sin. It's when we see what God requires of us that we see how far we are from what God requires. And nowhere does that exempt the Lord's Day observance. Christ himself said in in Matthew 5, that he did not come to destroy, the law, to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And here he is referring especially to the moral law, as he goes on to explain in those chapters. And so when we think about the observance of the Lord's day, we must keep it and see it as the same importance as the other nine. The fourth commandment was never removed. It was never divided. It was never changed. But God says in verse 29... As we read in chapter 5, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments so that it might be well with them and with their children. To keep these commandments always. And in a future sermon, we'll look at what that might mean, but we can think of this here. Jesus said about the seventh commandment and also about murder, that if we have a lustful thought in our mind, we've already broken the seventh commandment. If we have a thought of hatred in our heart, we've already broken, we've already committed murder. And so it is the same with the fourth commandment. We break the commandment when our hearts and minds are not right with God. All the commandments go down to the heart. Even this one. Do we keep the Sabbath day holy? In our hearts, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. But then lastly and thirdly, we see we have to keep the Sabbath day holy, not only by remembering the redemption, not only remembering God's moral law, but now thirdly, by remembering the rest that Christ redeems us to. The rest that he will redeem us to. It pictures the eternal rest in heaven. Part of that refreshment that this day gives is the hope and the picture of the eternal rest that God gives His people in heaven. This Lord's Day today is a foretaste and a beginning for the people of God, a beginning of the eternal Sabbath which God prepares for His people. That when you rest in God on this Lord's Day, 
you are tasting a bit of the eternal rest that God prepares for His people. Psalm 34 it says, Taste and see that the Lord is gracious. God's rest day in creation was intended for all of His creation. But that was marred by sin that was broken. And everybody falls out of that rest. And now we can only enter into that rest through that new creation, through that new birth. As Jesus said, you must be born again to be delivered from the power and dominion of sin. And so it's a foretaste of that eternal rest that remains for the people of God. Hebrews 9 says that it's a rest that both remains in this life to partake of and observe, and it remains uh, to enter into fully in eternity. And so it's remarkable that Jesus said, Remember my death until I come. Remember that he died on the cross. And here God says, remember the Sabbath day. Now in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ, he rose on the Sunday, on the Lord's day. He rose from the dead. And we don't have time to look into all the, the evidence of changing the Sabbath from the Saturday and the, from Old Testament to the Sunday and the New. But it is because Christ rose from the dead. Israel remembered the Sabbath day. And we are reminded to keep these commandments. To observe them. And as, we, as 6 verse 1 says, but also in, in, in verse 31 he says that they would observe them so that they would observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess. The Israelites were traveling through the wilderness. They had to keep these commandments. And in the, when they arrived in the promised land, these were the commandments that they were to keep. And if you think of the believers now in this world, they are to observe and begin keeping these commandments because it is in heaven where these commandments will be fully kept. Where we will be fully observed. You will have that perfect rest, that eternal rest, and the perfect observance of all the moral laws of God in heaven. There will be no sin, no breaking of the commandments, and no, and no breaking of the Sabbath. Christ rose from the dead to conquer sin. And we gather on the Lord's day because it is resurrection day. And so there's a lot more to the Sabbath than we can see or experience only physically. The Sabbath rest is a gift of grace. It comes from the rest that God Himself enjoys. A rest from sin. A rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because with Him God is well pleased. And if you are in Jesus Christ today, God is well pleased with you, and you can rest in Him. That gives rest to your souls, and that rest will remain forever, and that rest will be perfected in eternity, but it begins here. But if you are not in Christ, you have no rest here, and you will have no rest forever. How 
Do you see that rest for yourself today? Is this a rest that you desire to enter into? Or is this a rest you run away from? What does this say about your soul? What does it say about your desire to be in the rest of the Lord? Search your heart. But for those who stand outside, Christ said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. It is Christ who gives that rest for a restless soul. For those who know that you cannot find this rest yourself. For those who know that you find this, the, the Sunday a burden to your heart, that you want to do your own thing. Oh, seek God that He may deliver you from this. This is what we must remember. And this is the reason that we can rest on Sunday. is because of what Christ has rested. Is this then the rest? Is this the refreshing that you are seeking for? Is this the rest that you thirst for week after week? Because you won't find it anywhere else. You won't find it in the nicest yacht or in the biggest cabin in the mountains. That's a different rest. But here we are called to withdraw from the world even its pleasures. To enter into the presence of the Lord on the Lord's day. Remember then Christ who did not rest until he entered into his rest. And the rest that he prepared for you. And so I say, come apart and rest a while. Find rest for your souls here in the house of God with his people. Amen.